All right. Hello. <laughs> good morning. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. And we are ready to go, or I thought I was ready to go, to go into some news stories here on Monday. Today on Before Coffee, EU signs off on one billion deal with Tun Tunisia to help stem irregular migration. Iran's morality police to resume headscarf patrols. Two dead after explosion of Kerch Bridge linking Crimea and Russia. And other Russian news. Russia halts, you, halts wartime deal allowing Ukraine to stop grain. Uh, cage director banned from France as threat to public order. And to help a, to help cool a hot planet, the whitest of white coats. Today, on, what is it, July 17th? <laughs> yeah. Am I correct? July, July 17th. 2023 edition of Before Coffee. Right, let's begin with the first article. I'm such a mess. This is the wrong audio. So not let me change stuff if it's not currently the... What is wrong with it? I'll just use my mouse. God forbid I program it to do something. Okay. Right. Let's begin with the first news story on the EU signing signing off on a one billion deal. This is from Lisa O'Carroll, the Brussels correspondent at the Guardian. The EU has signed off on a one billion deal or an eight hundred and sixty million pound deal with Tunisia to help stem irregular migration as the president of the North African country denounced those who offer migrants sympathy without respect for their goal to have equity in life. Ursula von der Leyen, the European Commission president, hailed the deal with Tunisia, including significant measures to stem deadly irregular migration across the Mediterranean, and investment in shared prosperity and stability. The partnership with Tunisia on migration comes just days after the country's president, Kai Saeed, revealed the shocking scale of people smuggling in his country, with officials revealing it was worth about six, 760 million in the first half of 2023, and remittances from Sub-Saharan Africa. Unveiling the deal in Tunisia is Sunday's evening flanked by von der Leyen and the Prime Minister of Italy, the Netherlands, and, and the Netherlands, why do they do it like that? And, 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 I hate when they do that. Syed denounced humanitarian organizations of spreading false facts of Tunisia instead of focusing their efforts on criminal gangs behind the deadly businesses. He said people all over the world shared a need for coexistence and effective equality in their futures along with respect rather than sympathy. Thousands of undocumented people have headed for the coastal city of Sfax in recent months with the goal of setting off for Europe in boats run by human traffickers, leading to an unprecedented migration crisis for Tunisia. Tunisia. Libyan border Tunis guards have rescued dozens of people, they say, have been left in the desert by Tunisian authorities without water, food, or shelter, agents France Press reported on Sunday. Hundreds of people from sub-Saharan African countries were forcibly taken to the desert in hostile areas boarding Libya and Algeria after racial unrest in early July in Sfax, in Tunisia's second largest city. 
The migrants were visibly exhausted and dehydrated, sitting or lying on the sand and using shrubs to try to seal themselves from the scorching summer heat that topped 40 Celsius or 104 Fahrenheit. The group of at least 80 people was found in an uninhabited area close to Asa, a town near the Tunisia-Libya border, nearly 93 miles or 100 kilometer, 150 kilometers west of Tripoli. Mark Rutte, the outgoing Dutch Prime Minister, said the deal would aim to stop people making the dangerous and often deadly journey across the seas to Italy, and it would disrupt the business model of smugglers. The three EU leaders flew to Tunisia on Sunday to sign a mem memorandum of understanding on a one billion package agreed in June amid continuing controversy over the North African country human rights record. Details including the agreement to resume talks on an association agreement between the EU and Tunisia. I can't say it every time. Tunisia, man. Tunisia. Tunisia have given to Tunisian <laughs> student access to Erasmus exchange program. See, the Erasmus thing you're talking about last week is a real big thing uh, for universities. One billion euros package deals contain a significant element on strengthening efforts to combat the cr criminal gangs involved in trafficking and people smuggling, said Ruta. DeGioia Maloney, the far-right Italian leader, hailed the deal as a model for new relations with North African countries, adding that she said this with a level of pride but a level of gratitude. I'm actually surprised Maloney supports this since she's so anti-immigrant. But uh, mm. maybe she supports it as in they're going to be taken somewhere else, not Italy. <laughs> in some country, we hope, is what she yeah. probably thinks. Undocumented sub-Saharan sub African people in Tunisia received 3 billion dinars or 350 million in remittances. I'm just going to say it wrong to bother you. From the countries during the first half of 2023. The figure is higher than the revenues of the vital tourism industry during the first half of the year, which amounted to 2.2 billion dinars. At a meeting from National Security Council at Carthage Palace on Friday, Said said this figure is shocking. It indicates that this is be that our country is being targeted. So, yes, lots of people smuggling and trafficking going on, and they made Europe made it harder by making it harder to get in the country. So, Parker. of course, they have to use underground means. I don't know exactly what this how this bill will uh, you know what will happen in the future, but we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll report on it again in like two years know. or something. You mean you don't know the future? What's wrong with you? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. You're not clairvoyant? Well, I am. I'm just not letting everybody know because they'll be yeah. scared. Yeah. All right. So, and, and uh, other news, Iran's morality police are back. Think your job is tough? Imagine going around telling people that they got the wrong hair headgear on all day long. The morality, this is from Reuters, Laura Ghazi. Iranian police are resuming controversial patrols to ensure women obey dress codes and cover their hair in public, state media reports. The morality police will return to the streets on, to enforce Iran's hijab laws, a spokesman said on Sunday. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. It comes 10 months after a young woman, Masha Amini, died in custody following her arrest in Tehran for allegedly breaking the dress code. Her death triggered massive national press protests and the patrols are paused. However, 
Islamic hardliners have been demanding that the patrols be resumed for some time. Under Iranian law, which is based on the country's interpretation of Sharia, women must cover their hair with a hijab headscarf and wear long, loose-fitting clothing to disguise their figures. The morality police unit is tasked with ensuring these rules are respected and detaining people who are perceived to be improperly dressed. During the patrols, officers first were women who are not complying with the rules, police spokesman Syed, oh boy, Matza Zaralamadi said, as quoted by hardline Tansneem News, if they obeyed orders, police may then opt to legal action. Who are Iran's morality police? Masha Amini was visiting the capital of Tehran with her family last September when she was arrested by morality police and accused of wearing her hijab improperly. She collapsed after being taken to the detention center to be educated. At the time, there were reports that officers beat Miss Amini's head with a baton and banged her head against one of their vehicles. An enraged millions of Iranians, leading to months of violent anti-government protests across the country, they saw nearly 600 protesters killed, including several state executions. In the month following the protests, many women stopped wearing hijabs altogether. It was the biggest outright challenge to the rule of the clerics in Iran since the 1979 revolution. Videos posted on social media suggest that until recently, the sight of women not wearing hijabs was becoming more commonplace. But in turn, the Iranian authorities broadened stiffer punishments, including forcing businesses to close if they did not comply with the hijab laws. Although the protests drew out huge numbers of Iranians, some people still staunchly support the strict dress code. Earlier this year, a video emerged showing a man throwing a tub of yogurt in the face of two unveiled women. His actions were met with outrage by male and female bystanders and later was arrested. But so were the women. Speaking to Reuters, New Agency University student Ishmael said he did not think the authorities would be able to impose the dress code. They cannot impose it like before. The number of people who cannot obey is too high. Who do not obey our God is too high. They cannot handle this. The last thing they can do is use violence and force against us. They cannot do it. Well, really? They can't, huh? Iran, Iran has various forms of morality police since the revolution. The latest version, known as formally as the Guidance Patrol, began in the patrols in 2006. It's unclear how many men and women work for the force, but they have access to weapons and detention centers, as well as called, as well as what are called re-education centers. In response to Iran's violent crackdown on protesters, the UK and other Western countries imposed sanctions on a majority of morality police and other top security figures last year. That is a story from the BBC and your story. Okay, well, I mean, un unlucky to hear about such developments in Iran as happens like it's happened many times over the f couple decades. They're like, hey, everyone, you can be what, how, do whatever. And then they're like, now religious. And then, yeah, you guys, guys can do whatever. Oh, now we're religious, overly religious again. So it must be a whiplash for people to experience, especially as Iranians probably consume a lot of Western media, you know, where people aren't being forced to wear certain clothing and you- what? 40 plus years of cloistering, basically. Yeah. So I don't know. 
they've never had you know two generations of freedom no freedom so yeah okay in uh crimea news this is from sean walker in kharkiv and emma graham harrison on the guardian the kerch bridge connecting the crimean peninsula to russia has been closed after explosions in the early hours of monday morning killed two people and injured a child the heavily guarded road and rail link is among the Kremlin's most important and high-prestige infrastructure projects, and the only overland link that goes directly from Russia to occupied Crimea. Video published by the pro-Kremlin Crimea 24 channel, taken from the adjacent railway bridge, showed a section of the road bridge had sheared off and was sloping towards the Black Sea. There were reports of explosion at 3 a.m. local time, and cars heading for the bridge were stopped early on Monday morning. After the head of the Russian-controlled administration in Crimea, Sergei Aksyonov, said that there was an emergency situation on the 145th pillar of the bridge. Russia's transport ministry said the road had been damaged, but not the pillars, and did not say what had caused the deaths. Photographs published on Russian telegram channels showed a car that appeared to have been smashed up and near the scene of the explosion. Train services were expected to restart early on Monday, Aksyonov said. The governor of Russia's Belogorod region said that two people were killed. The two people killed were a couple from the region who were traveling to Crimea with their daughter for a holiday. The daughter were receiving a treatment of injuries. Maria Zakrahova, a spokesperson for Russia's foreign ministry, blamed the damage on a Ukrainian attack, calling Ukraine a terrorist state structure. Oh wow, this isn't, this isn't drip with propaganda at all. Asked about how the explosion on Monday. Terror. Sorry? How dare you terrorize a country that attacked you? <laughs> that was annexed from you, even. Asked about the explosion on Monday morning, a spokesperson for Ukraine's military intelligence directorate quoted a previous statement by the directorate's head, Kirillov Budanov, said, The bridge is superfluous structure. Ukrainian media outlets cited unnamed sources suggesting the Ukrainian Domestic Security Service, along with the Navy, had been responsible for the attack. Some reports suggested underwater drones may have been used. If the damage was caused by attack, it would be the second time the bridge has been sabotaged. It follows a coup attempt by the Wagner Mercenary Group last month amid reports that the senior field commanders are being removed from their posts in Ukraine. A ferry service linking Crimea with Kuban in the Russian region of Krasnodar has been halted, the Russian task news agency reported. The bridge, a much-hated symbol of Russia's occupation of Crimea, was built on Putin's orders and inaugurated by him in 2018. It is a key link for bringing troops, equipment, and supplies to Moscow's invasion force in Ukraine. Moscow has in the past boasted of layers of protection, ranging from the latest weapon systems to military dolphins. In October 2022, the day after Putin's 70th birthday, a massive explosion destroyed a section of the Ukraine-bound road and engulfed the rail links in flames. Kyiv did not initially claim the attack, but earlier this month, the Deputy Defense Minister Hanna Maliar marked 500 days since Russia's invasion by the acknowledgement in Telegram post that Ukraine was behind the truck bombing to break Russian logistics. After it was repaired, Putin drove a Mercedes across the bridge to Crimea underlining how important he considers the project. In 19 kilometer, the, the 19 kilometer 12 mile bridge is the only direct land leak between Russia and Crimea. Ferries are slower and when winter weather hits, the Black Sea can be unreliable. 
The road and railway bridges run parallel, with a wide suspension span in the middle to allow ships to pass through. It has been a supply route for food, fuel, and other supplies for Russian troops invading the southern Ukraine and the naval base of Sevastopol, Sevastopol port, the base of Moscow's Black Sea Fleet. When the bridge is closed, Russian Russia can still send supplies to Crimea through occupied Ukraine, Ukraine although the coastal highway through ruined Mariupol beside the Sea of Azov, but this is a longer route and presents a less challenging target for Ukrainian forces than the heavily guarded bridge. The Kerch Strait Bridge is a logistical significant object to George Barrows, an analyst with the U.S. think tank the Institute for Study of War, wrote on Twitter after the first reports of the explosion on the bridge. Russia will only have one ground supply route, the coastal highway. To sustain or evacuate its tens of thousands of troops in occupied Kyrgyzstan and, and Crimea if the UKR manages to degrade and destroy the bridge. The bridge also has been has also been the main route used by Russian civilians heading to Crimea for holidays. Why you'd want to do that is wow. Sorry. Just like I'm just gonna stop by you know, I know eastern Ukraine is being attacked, but I'm gonna just stop by western Ukraine for a little holiday while they're in the middle of war. We go to Occupied Crimea. I'm sure it'll be a great holiday for me and the kid. Um, <laughs> just really weird to me to think like that. You have to be in that state, right? That Russia is un completely untouchable and will never be attacked, right? You have to be deep in the propaganda to believe you going to Crimea is a safe and logical holiday destination. Um, they got a nice beach. Yeah, but... right. Crimea has always been popular with Russian tourists. Visitors' numbers rose after the invasion of Ukraine in 2022 made it harder for them to travel to Western countries. And Moscow's propaganda machine doubled down on the historically inaccurate claim that Crimea had, had been Russian for centuries. Okay, that's my story. All right, and then more, just in case you hadn't got enough of Russia-Ukraine logistics. Here's a story from AP about the Russia grain deal from Courtney Bunnell. Russia halted unprecedented wartime deal on Monday that allows grain to flow from Ukraine to countries in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia, where hunger is a growing threat and high food prices have pushed more people into poverty. Because starving people is a great weapon. Kremlin's Spokesman Dmitry Peskov announced Russia would suspend the Black Sea Grain Initiative until its demand to get its own agriculture sh shipments to the world are met. Even though the country has been shipping record amounts of wheat and its fertilizers have also been flowing. When the when the part of the Black Russia Sea deal related to Russia is implemented, Russia will implement immediately return to an implementation of the deal, Peskov said. Russia has complained that restrictions on shipping and insurance have hampered its exports of food and fertilizer, also critical to the global food chain. It's the end of a breakthrough accord that the United Nations and Turkey brokered last summer. It allowed food to leave the Black Sea region after Russia invaded its neighbor nearly a year and a half ago. The deal provided assurances that ships won't be attacked entering and leaving Ukrainian ports. A separate agreement facilitated the movement of Russian food and fertilizer amid Western sanctions. The warring nations are both major global suppliers of wheat, barley, sunflower oil, and other affordable food products that developing nations rely on. While anonymous don't expect more than a temporary bump in the food commodity prices because places like Russia and Brazil have ratcheted up wheat and corn exports, food security, 
food insecurity is growing. The agreement was re was renewed for 60 days in May amid Moscow's pushback. In recent months, the amount of food shipped and number of vessels departing Ukraine have plunged, with Russia accused of preventing additional ships from participating. The Ukrainian authorities did not immediately respond to the quest for comment Monday. The war in Ukraine sent food commodity prices surging to record highs last year and contributed to global food crisis. Also tied to other conflicts, the lingering effects of COVID-19 pandemic, droughts, and other climate factors. High costs for grain needed for food staples in places like Egypt, Lebanon, Nigeria, exacerbated economic challenges and helped push millions more people into poverty and food insecurity. People in developing countries spent more on their money on meals. Poor nations that depend on imported food, food priced in dollars are also spending more as their currencies weaken and they are forced to import more because of climate issues. Places like Somalia, Kenya, Morocco, Tunisia are struggling with drought. Places prices for food, global food commodities like wheat and vegetables, oil have found, but food was already expensive before the war in Ukraine and the relief as it trickled down the kitchen tables. The Black Sea deal is absolutely critical to the food security of a number of countries and its loss will compound the problems for those facing high debt levels and climate fallout. Said Simon Evanet, Professor of International Trade and Economic Development of the University of St. Gallen and Switzerland. You notice that rising interest rates, there we go, rising interest rates again, meant to target inflation as well as weakened currencies are making it harder for many developing countries to finance purchases of dollars in the global markets. Of course, we note that if we don't use Ukrainian grain and we use grain from Brazil, that means more deforestation in Brazil. So there's another added bonus to war. More global warming. Your story. Do I need more light? I got natural sunlight coming in here. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> more global warming, war inflation, just all the trigger words for how everything's messing up. Yeah. Humans in fucking up. French news as they have constant protest over many different things. A human rights campaigner, Mohamed Rabani, has been banned as a threat to public order. This is an article from Matthew Weaver. The director of the campaign group Cage was detained in Paris for almost 24 hours last week and then sent back to London after French government accused him of spreading conspiracy theories about Islamophobic persecution. Okay. Okay. In 2020, Cage, with campaigns on behalf of communities affected by war on terror, overturned a French travel ban for its director, Mohamed Rabini. But on arrival in Paris last Tuesday for meetings with French journalists and civil society leaders, Rabini, who told the Interior Ministry, had imposed a new travel ban preventing him from entering the country. He was questioned and then sent back on a flight to London. His treatment came days after widespread rioting in France in the wake of the fatal police shooting of Nahil Merzouk, a French teenager of Moroccan and Algerian descent. That's how you write it down. Descent. He's still French. Thank you. I've seen so many articles that are like, this Algerian immigrant, and I'm like, he's not an immigrant. He was born in France for like five generations of being born in France. Okay, anyways. The Interior Ministry set out the reasons for the ban in a document dated 31st October 2022. It said, Given the particularly high terrorist threat, 
his presence on national territory would cons constitute a serious threat to public order and the internal security of France. The ban was imposed a month after Rabani criticized the French government for terrorizing its Muslim community and what he would say was racist government agenda. During a meeting of the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe in Poland in September 2022, Rabani also accused France of joining China and India in launching religious persecution against Muslims. In his travel ban, France accused Rabani of being part of a radical Islamist movement and spreading slanderous words about supposed Islamophobic persecution and mass surveillance by Western governments, including France. It accused Cage of helping to radicalize Mohammed M. Wazi, the Islamic State terrorist known as Jihadi John, who was responsible for decapitating Western hostages held by the terror group. Cage strenuously denies the claim. The ban cited Rabani's conviction in UK for refusing to disclose his mobile phone passcode when he was stopped in 2017 under Schedule 7 of Terrorism Act 2000. Cage said Rabani spent almost 24 hours in French custody last week. It said he was sent to a migrant detention center for where he recorded a video about his treatment. Cage said French police questioned him at the airport and the, de the detention center. He was also questioned by an official from the Interior Ministry, he said. Cage described the ban as totally absurd and an example of authoritarian overreach. France has banned me for delivering a speech at the OSCE conference, the world's largest regional security intergovernmental organization, exposing the systematic obstruction policy, a, maxim, a maximum repressive policy strategy that overwhelmingly targets Muslims in September last year. The French government is clearly threatened by an NGO holding them to account. Our interventions and critiques are echoed across the board. Sing out a Muslim human rights defender for a ban smacks out a very same Islamphobia they are so offended of being accused of. Um, yes. Without any context, I can understand the point of this uh, argument uh -huh. here, which is, of course, the dude just wants to talk about stuff. And, I mean, this is definitely where America kind of gets a one-plus over every other country in Europe because, genuinely, for the most part, America does have freedom of speech as a guaranteed right. The rest of Europe does not, as you can see. They can, just, they can decide to ban you for... I mean, they banned Tyler the Creator from the UK because he, yeah. he wrote lyrics that insinuated violence, but it was... Irony. It wasn't real. He was he was playing a character that would say those things, but he the himself French... was not going to do those acts because he's an artist. But the the UK banned him for like ten years from the UK because he said things, and they were like, "You're gonna blow up schools." You said in your song, "You're gonna blow up schools." No, no, you don't understand. That's art. It's not real. <laughs> they would ban Beatles songs. I mean, they yeah. ban they ban. Beatles song that they banned the Paul McCartney song that said "Give Ireland back to the Irish." Yeah, right? so there we go. So. That's England. Hey, United States. But that's yeah, Europe again, in general. They don't. France, they don't support free speech. That's just a fact. They don't. They really don't. And neither does France because France again they ban those headscarves that Iran wants to make women wear. France banned them. The opposite, right? Yeah. You can't wear, which is not free speech. Which again, wear what you want. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Get over yeah. yourselves. Okay. And let's paraphrase Mick Jagger for this story with, I see a red door and I want it painted white. 
This is from New York Times. Scientists at Purdue have created a white paint that, when applied, can reduce the surface temperature on a roof and cool the building beneath it. This is from Kara Buckley from the New York Times. Zulin Ruan, a professor of mechanical engineering at Purdue University, didn't set out to make it in the Guinness World Records when he began trying to make a new type of paint. He had a loftier goal, to cool town buildings without touching the earth. In 2020, Dr. Ruan and his team unveiled their creation, a type of white paint that can act as a reflector, bouncing 95% of the sun's rays away from the earth's surface up through the atmosphere and into deep space. A few months later, it, they announced that even more potent formulation and increased sunlight reflection up to 98%. Boy, that's got to be blinding to me. I tell you what. Is that a building over there? Is that a second sun? <laughs> Properties are almost superheroic. Okay. Until they start blinding people and killing birds. We'll see. It can make sur surfaces as much as 8 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than ambient air temperatures at midday and up to 19 degrees cooler at night. That's interesting. Reducing temperatures inside buildings, increasing air conditioning needs by as much as 40%, which is also decreases in the uh, ozone. It is cool to the touch, even though under a blazing sun, Dr. Ruan said. Unlike air conditioners, the paint doesn't need any energy to work and it doesn't warm the outside air. And it's probably made from small infantile animals. No, just kidding. In 2021, Guinness, the Guinness declares the whitest paint ever. And is, they actually measure whiteness of something. And, and since collected several awards, when does things turn from white to silver? When does that transition happen? Uh, I think, I believe silver is like the shine. Right? Yeah, okay. So if it's shiny, it's silver. While the paint is originally envisioned for rooftops, manufacturers of clothes, shoes, cars, trucks, and even spacecraft have, some cl have been clam come clamoring. Last year, Dr. Ruan and Steve announced they had come up with a more lightweight version that could reflect heat from vehicles. We weren't really trying to develop the world's whitest paint, he said. We wanted to help with climate change, and now it's more of a crisis and getting worse. We wanted to see if it's possible to help save energy while cooling down the earth. Well, the plan is officially the world's white. The paint is officially the world's whitest. It isn't blindingly so, so it scatters the light. Dr. Ruan said it doesn't look at all different from white paint from the hardware store. Okay, well, I'm buying now. <laughs> the paint has at least a year from being ready for commercial use, and work is underway to increase its durability and dirt resistance. Dr. Ruan said the Purdue team has partnered with a company that can and can't name it yet. The team is also developing color paints that will use the ultra white as a base. They will work less ideally than white, but better than some of the other commercial colors. As a climate crisis worsens, scientists have been urgently working to develop reflective materials, including different types of coatings and films that could passively cool the earth. The materials rely on principles of physics that allow that allow thermal energy to travel from Earth along specific wavelengths through what's known as transparency or sky window in the atmosphere into deep space. There's about 10 more paragraphs on this. 
It's very technical. No, it's not that technical. But it gets in depth. We don't have the kind of time here. So move it along. Your story. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm excited to see uh, this This article been sponsored by Big Paint. Because you've already been <laughs> bought. You're already like, I'm buying this paint. I'm going to paint my whole house this white. Um, That's right. It's really cool to hear about the science of it, for sure. Uh, all right. Let's follow culture updates as we go into the first week of the Hollywood writers and actors strike joint awesomeness. Yeah, unions. This is an article from Adrian Horton. That's not the title of the article. The title of the article is Hollywood grinds to a halt on first full day of joint actors and writers strikes. So this is an article from Adrian Horton on The Guardian. The first full day of a strike by SAG-AFTRA had an immediate effect on Hollywood, as the industry ground to a halt over a contract with producers that would cover such wide-ranging issues as compensation and the future of AI in film and television. Whereas the writer strike, which has been seen, has seen the guild nearly 20,000 members out of work early May, promptly shuttered late-night variety programs in writer rooms and delayed release dates from many film and TV shows. A simultaneous strike by SAG-AFTRA's 160,000 members has the potential to bring Hollywood to a full standstill. Actors and writers began picketing outside various studio and streaming service headquarters on Friday, four locations in New York and eight more in Los Angeles, with such a sign with such shines as Logan Roy would pay us more, your poor Montana ranch, I'm trying to pay my rent, not my third and fourth mortgage, Mortgage and fuel my private jet. Chappie T can suck my D. Chappie T can suck my D. That's my that's my new chant. I'm gonna chant that. Okay. The strike, the first time the actors have joined writers on the picket line since 1960, immediately ceased promotional work for several major summer films, which already hindered by the absence of the talk shows. According to strike guidance, members will not be able to attend premieres, do not do interviews for completed work attend award shows or film festivals, or promote projects on social media while the strike is in effect. The strike canceled the New York red carpet premiere of Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan's biopic about the creator of the atomic bomb. On Thursday, the film's cast, including Cillian Murphy, Emily Blunt, and Matt Damon, left the film's London premiere early when the strike was called. Damon told Deadline that the strike will affect his new production company founded with Ben Affleck. The cast of this month's other hotly anticipated film, Greta Gerwig's Barbie, also wrapped its promotional campaign early. I very much am in support of the unions, and I'm proud of SAG. So I would absolutely stand by them, the film's lead Margot Robbie told reporters at the London premiere. One of the first major productions affected was Deadpool 3, which paused filming on Thursday as the strike got underway, only days after Marvel revealed the first look at the set with photos of stars Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, costume as Deadpool and Wolverine, respectively. As the script was already locked, Deadpool 3 was able to continue production during the writer's strike, but the film's original May 2024 release date now seems in jeopardy due to the production halt, a sign of the Hollywood stasis to come. 
HBO's blockbuster series, House of Dragon, however, will continue filming in the UK due to local union rules, as first reported by Variety. The majority of the actors on the Game of Thrones prequel currently filming its second season are from the UK and thus under contracts governed by the UK local union, Equity. The series is technically allowed to continue filming as Equity members are not legally permitted to strike in solidarity with US actors. In strike guidance provided by Equity hours before SAG-AFTRA officially declared a walkout, the union, the 12th largest trade organization in the UK, said it would support SAG-AFTRA and its members by all lawful means. A strike could also torpedo major summer and fall film festivals, which are now in wait and see mode. Glitzy, photo opportunity-oriented festivals like Venice, which is set to begin on the 30th of August, could be held without major Hollywood stars. The Toronto Film Festival, held in September, said in a statement to Deadline on Thursday that organizers will continue planning for this year's festival with hope of swift resolution in the coming weeks. Broadway will remain open as SAG-AFTRA does not represent stage actors. But on Friday, the president of Actors' Equity, which represents stage actors and stage managers, urged members to proactively and aggressively avoid breaking the SAG-AFTRA strike by inadvertently crossing the picket line. The Guild president, Kate Schindel, encouraged members to contact SAG-AFTRA with any questions about potentially struck work and added, Know this, the other side will try to pit us against each other to churn out content. Don't fall for it. I'm also speaking to you. Don't fall for it. Fall for Don't it. break the picket lines. Don't be a scab. At the heart of the negotiations, what many members have referred to as an existential question over the future of AI, replacing writers or generating unapproved likenesses of actors among their concerns. Yes, this happened a lot in uh, recently in the Star Wars film and and uh, show, right? They put young young Luke Skywalker's face on somebody else's body. He looked very similar to Luke, so they could have used the actual actor, but what they did is they used AI to put his face on an actor that looks similar to him. Uh, and they also did that with uh, Leia in a film. They down down aged, or they had a her young face on an, on her daughter, on uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, right? But not her, not Carrie Fisher's daughter, but her face put on her daughter's face. So that that stuff was already freaking people out back in like twenty what 2018, 2017. and now they're I think they're talking about replacing background actors with AI. So instead well, yeah, of they... having 20 actors on your production just the main group of five or whatever and then everyone else is an AI actor in the background that destroys a bunch of jobs for people like with one program it's pretty messed up they're gonna do it well, they're anyway. not acting back there anyways okay sure whatever they're just, fuck you they're just gonna do it anyway yeah They'll find ways around it. It's like they, they film out of the country to avoid using union crews, so. Yeah. The, Eli yep. the Alliance of Motion Pictures, Television Producers, and PTP said it offered a groundbreaking AI proposal which protects performers' digital likeness, including a requirement for performers' consent for certain creation and use of digital replicas or for digital alterations of a performance. But Duncan Cabtree Ireland, SAG-AFTRA's chief negotiator and national executive director, denounced that proposal on Thursday for only playing background performers for one day of work in exchange for the rights to their digital likeness for the rest of eternity without any compensation. That's the problem here. That's my face and I'm not getting paid for my face being on camera. What the fuck? That's messed up. If you think that's groundbreaking proposal, I suggest you think again, he added. I mean, they did this shit in the 60s, too, with, like, 
selling merchandise of your face and you wouldn't get any money from it, right? They were like, oh, thanks for signing this contract. You'll become a star. Now we own everything that has ever existed about you and we are going to sell it right. to make more money and you won't get any of that. Thanks, oh, random actor. Off. Yeah. Anyways, uh, in the hours of the strike, was called numerous Hollywood stars, including Jamie Lee Curtis, Bob Odenkirk, Cynthia Nixon, Cheryl Lee Ralph, and Josh Gad expressed public support for the dual work stoppages. George Clooney has also backed the strike and said in a statement on Friday that actors, writers, and large have lost their ability to make a living. This is an inflection point in our industry, he said, but our industry to survive has to change. For actors, that journey starts now. Yes. Remember, this isn't just talking about the the top, you know, star actors like George Clooney. We're also talking about background, um, anybody. Just anybody who's yeah. acting, anybody who's writing, all of those people are affected, not just the rich, you know, the rich stars. Oh, boohoo, yeah. it's not just them. But, oh. uh, and, anyways, and, uh, uh, yep. and, and, and Hollywood. <laughs> and Hollywood is a factory town, as they say. Yeah. They have a factory of movies, and most people that are actors have to have another job. Yep. Yeah, because it's not cheap to live there either, famously. And of course, Hollywood will be back to making, you know, Guardians of Galaxy 12 and, you know, <laughs> Fast and Furious 42 and Spider-Man 14. That'll be out soon. You'll get your fix of the usual stuff that you've been addicted to for years. Okay, this day in history. 1453, British forces routed the English in the Battle of Castilian. Concluding, concluding battle is a hundred years of war. It was exactly one hundred years, so they had to finish it. The clock ran out. So, sixteen eighty—that was a joke, not legitimately true. Okay. Sixteen eighty-three, Turkish forces began the siege of Vienna against Habsburg Holy Roman Emperor Leopold the First. In 1763, John Jacob Astor, founder of renowned family of Anglo-American capitalists, was born in Waldorf, Germany. John Jacob Astor. Famously, I think his son was one of the ones that drowned in the Titanic. 1862, Abraham Lincoln's wartime Congress passed the Second Confiscation Act, a precursor to the, precursor to the Emancipation Proclamation. In 1902, American mechanical engineer Willis Carrier completed the first drawings that would become the first modern air conditioner. So, Carrier Air Conditioner, if you own those, that's who it's named after. 1918, Carpathia, an ocean liner that rescued the survivors of the Titanic in 1912, was sunk by a German U-boat in World War I. In 1918, former Russians are... Nicholas II and his family were executed by Bolsheviks. Sorry, oh, Anastasia. Shit. That's what happened. Damn. Sorry. 1940. Well, they did prove it conclusively. They found their graves. Yeah. 1944. German Field Marshal Erwin Rommel was seriously injured when his car was forced off the road by British fighter bombers. In 1945, on this date, Joseph Stalin, Winston Churchill, and Harry Truman met at the Potsdam Conference, the last Allied Summit Conference of World War II. As you notice, Harry Truman was at it. That was very close to the end. 1955, Disneyland, an amusement park featuring the creations of Walt Disney and a Disney company, opened 
in Anaheim, California. In 1996, TWA flight crashed into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Long Island, killing all 230 people on board. A U.S. government inquiry determined that a mixture of fuel and air had ignited accidentally within a fuel tank, though others believe the jetliner was shot down by a missile, including me. Maybe not a missile, but something, but that just seemed like a, still seems like a fishy explanation. 1998, the United Nations completed the statute established an international criminal court which began sittings four years later in 2009 walter cronkite longtime cbs evening news anchor walter cronkite died at the age of 92. i should do the news in the style of walter cronkite 20 and 2014 another airplane crash so don't fly today Malaysia Air Fly Airlines Flight 17 crashed in separatist held territory in Ukraine, killing all 298 people on board. A Dutch investigation later determined that the aircraft was shot down by a Russian-made surface-to-air missile. In 2020, American civil rights leader John Lewis died at the age of 80. And we know John Lewis, famous for Selma Bridge, being beaten unconscious. Uh, the featured event today is the beginning of the Spanish Civil War. A well-planned uprising by nationalist rebels against Republican government of Spain began this day in 1936, sparking a bloody civil war that lasted until 1939 when nationalists and Francisco Franco assumed power. And again, I repeat, generally, Simo Francisco Franco is still dead. On this day in... July 17, 1790, Adam Smith, Scottish philosopher, died. Birthdays today, Donald Sutherland, American actor, born in 1935. Camilla, Queen of the United Kingdom. Camilla, sorry, Camilla. Boo. Queen Camilla. Why is she not Queen Consort? I don't think call her Queen Consort. She's supposed to be Con Queen Consort, because she's not. Let's call her that. She's not yeah. the Queen. She's not. All right. Camilla, Queen Consort, was born on this day in 1947. As they go in England, homewrecker, Camilla. Right? <laughs> Before Angela Merkel was born, Chancellor of Germany, and in 1958, Wang Kar, Wang Kar Wai, Chinese director, was born in 1975. Terence Howe, Australian mathematician, was born, and that's this day in history and what day is it uh hopefully not too many let's see it freaking is days of revolution war and wars ending freaking plane crashes i can't believe all that stuff happened on the same day yeah wow day right? for it's also day for international criminal justice july 17th so let's get some justice today somehow arrest Putin. Arrest that bastard. World, maybe, maybe Trump will get indicted the third time. Yeah, that'll be fun. World Emoji Days today. So, there you go. Apply that. <laughs> National Get Out of the Doghouse Day. This is, I guess, for <laughs> this is for men to have to give chocolates to know, your wife. <laughs> I don't know, if men will literally have to sleep in a doghouse. That's just a. <laughs> It's national, it's the National Wrong Way Corrigan Day. 
Now, Norm A. Corrigan famously is the guy who tried to cross the Atlantic. Thought he crossed the Atlantic, but basically just ended up back in Europe. <laughs> Wrong way, yeah. Corrigan. Pretty much something like that. I can You're look up the fact. the stars, the most basic, uh, like, na uh, naval uh, navigation using the stars. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, it was days before GPS. <laughs> GPS stood for something else then. <laughs> get permanently screwed or something like that <laughs> uh national peach ice cream day Ooh, that's interesting flavor and it's national lottery day in the united states so get out there and give that money to the government and get a promise of something in return get a thrill you have a chance to win in return that yeah. little tiny thrill that one second go on oh i can win the billions of dollars i I'd buy me a boat and give my friends all the money. <laughs> and friends that you don't Suddenly want. Suddenly you have a million friends all asking for a million bucks. And my and my airplane needs new seats. You know, <laughs> anyway, it's still my favorite movie from The Jerk. All right. I'm so well, embarrassed. Uh, go ahead, yours. That has been... Oh, I has, no, this doesn't work. Okay. That has been me, Allison here, trying to dis discover ways to fluidly do a live show by myself with no <laughs> with no help. And we will see you tomorrow on Tuesday where hopefully I will do it better next time. Practice makes it perfect. And here's Roger appreciating the effort. As we delve into the silliness of this planet Earth today on July... Let's see, you've wasted about, what, 50 minutes of your life trying to figure out the hell we're talking about. Hey! <laughs> July 17, 2017 edition of Before Coffee. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow our other channels. Toxic Alley. History of Gravy and Scratchy Old Records.